Thanks for tuning in to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suju Organic, where we inspire, educate, and provide advice and insights around those who are in the sports business and entertainment industry. Please follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited to have my guest and Sean Casey today, a man who really needs no introduction, but 12-year career in the big leagues, five teams, uh, three-time All-Star, career 302 hitter, uh, MLB network analyst. He's a speaker. He's got his own podcast, The Mayor's Office. So uh, The Mayor's Office, welcome to the Life in the Front Office, Sean. (laughs) This is great, Jake. Thanks for having me, man. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Let's get started with just a quick GPS of your playing journey, and then we'll get into kind of some of the transitions that you've had along uh, your career as you've stepped away from the field and you know, also a lot of the preparation that goes into not only the the work that you did on the field, but then now off the field. Yeah. Oh man. Um, where do I start? To tell you the truth, I don't. You know, it's uh, you know, it's been a been an incredible journey. Um, you know, when I look back at my journey, it really started back. You know, to give you just a quick synopsis, when I was 14, 14 years old, freshman year in high school, really didn't play that much. I came home to my dad, hoping he would go see the coach and you know, have that conversation with, you know, why is my son playing? And my dad did the exact opposite. It was like, hey, man, like kind of gave me a, you know, a, a dose of reality, you know, that, hey, you're not, you're not glaringly better than the kid that's playing. Like, I'm not going to go talk to the coach. Why don't you start working harder, hitting more, doing what you need to do and then take care of, be accountable for the work you put in. And I'm 14 years old. Like, what the hell is this guy talking about? I just go talk to the coach. We can get this taken care of. But probably the greatest conversation I ever had, Jake, because from that day forward, I started to hit every day after school. My dad, you know, said he would buy me these tokens at Grand, this Grand Slam USA indoor hitting cage. And if I used them, he would keep buying them for me. So I was like, I just wanted that deal. And I started hitting every day. And a big thing with him was like, you know, you got you want an opportunity to play, you gotta be prepared for it. And he goes, obviously you're not playing now, but if you keep hitting every day, that opportunity is gonna come along again and you'll be ready to go. And he was right, I started hitting every day. I started hitting with a hitting coach, this guy named Frank Porco. He never even played college baseball, but was just a really good hitting coach at the at the uh, Grand Slam USA. Hit with him every Tuesday night for 30 minutes, and then you know the work really starts after that. Once you get the information, and once you get the knowledge, you know I always say knowledge is only potential power, right? Knowledge it, it, knowledge is power if you use it, right? It, it's potential power if you do nothing with it. So I always figured that in that Tuesday night, I got the knowledge of. Of, of, of what it, of what a good swing looked like. And then the next six and a half days, I hit every single day for hours, working on keeping my front shoulder and driving off my backside, using my hands, you know, all the things that I was taught. I really became obsessed with the swing. And then as, you know, my dad was right, the next year I started JV, the next year I started varsity. And then my senior year, I started, uh, I started varsity again, didn't have a ton of people coming to me. And, I, and another quick lesson with my dad, I said to my dad, I said, you know, What's going on, Dad? Like, where's all the scouts? Where's all the schools? Where's where's everybody? And he's like, you know, gonna give you a quick lesson. Like, nobody's coming for you, Sean. He's like, you got to start going to them. And he had just started a company at the time called Casey Chemical, and he was doing a lot of network marketing, sending flyers out to people. He's like, 
we're gonna I'm gonna send five thousand flyers out this month. If I get five people to respond and I get business, we're gonna pay the bills. We're gonna be able to, you know, do we're gonna be able to run a successful company. I'm like, wow. He's like, you gotta start going out to people. He's like, why don't you come home tomorrow after school and start writing? Why don't you write some letters to thirty colleges that you like that you that you think of? So I did, man. I came home, sat down. It was my senior year. I wrote thirty letters to Clemson, to Penn State, to even like even Division three, like Marietta, College of Wooster, like. I didn't care. I just wanted, wanted to go play baseball somewhere. And, and as, cool, as, as crazy as it seems, Jake, in the back of my mind, I was like, I got to get to college baseball if I want to play in the big leagues. It's so funny. Like, you know, I'm like, I can't even get a, I can't even get a uh, uh, offer from anybody. I can't even get people to look at me, let alone big leagues. You know what I mean? But in the back of my mind, I thought that. So sure enough, man, I wrote 30 letters. The la- the la- I got up from the, from the desk that day. And my dad was like, hey, write one more letter. University of Richmond sent you a flyer last year in the Keystone State games. Send them a letter too. So my last letter was the University of Richmond. I read University of Richmond, dear University of Richmond. What if you didn't send that letter? Huh? I mean, isn't it, 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 it's incredible, right? Isn't it, isn't it incredible? So 30 yeah. letters. I sent it out. Boom. I sent 31 letters. Four games to go in my high school career, dude. I go four for four, eight ribbies, four doubles. Probably the best game I had. Left center, right center, you know, dominated. Uh, I go out to the first base. And in the seventh, and my coach is like, hey, he's like, uh, how many hits you got today? I was like, four hits, four doubles. He's like, how many homers? I mean, how many RBIs? He's got four, eight RBIs. God, that's incredible. And he goes, what a game. He goes, you see that? See the guy sitting behind the backstop there? He goes, that's a University of Richmond coach. Drove six hours to come see you play on the account of, on the, account of the letter you wrote him a few months ago. Wow. And sure enough, man, I got a $1,000 scholarship to Richmond, which obviously wasn't a ton, but it was enough. to. I just needed an opportunity. Went to Richmond took all the things that I had learned about working hard every day, being accountable for myself, you know, playing offense, not defense in life. And I was a freshman All-American my freshman year. Uh, a sophomore year, I went to the Cape Cod League, was an all-star there. And my junior year, I got I won the NCAA batting title. I was the number one hitter in the NCAA Division I baseball. I had 461. It was a second-round pick of the Cleveland Indians. And I all and when I circle back around, I look back and I say, man, without that conversation of my dad, you know, not, you know, sometimes I always feel like as a dad, so we can we can also disable our kids when you enable them. And I feel like he did it such a service to me by not giving me what I wanted and basically putting the accountability on me to take care of what I needed to take care of and, and quit looking elsewhere. I love that. I mean, I, I think. You know, and you, hey, look, you were recently on Ed Milet's show and his whole concept of the power of one more. I just love that the 31st letter you wrote, right, <laughs> was was the one that, that got it all started for you. And, you know, when you think about those conversations, though, to your point, there were so many different ways you could have reacted to that conversation. Mm-hmm. But you chose to react the way that you did to then go about your business the way that you did uh, to be prepared for the opportunity when it happened. And, you know, I've had conversations with my dad where he goes, Hey, you know, luck is the, is the combination of preparation meeting opportunity, right? If, if the opportunity comes along and you're prepared and it happens to go well, you've, you've got some luck. Right. And, and I think, you know, when you think about, okay, then the next steps, right. You go into the minor leagues and you've got an opportunity, but how do you prepare? How do you learn from those that were around you? Uh, to ultimately get to where you were uh, in your career. I mean, look, you said you won the NCAA batting title, hitting 461. You could have, you know, walked waltz on 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 into the clubhouse, all you know, high and mighty. But you had a long way to climb. So, what was the mental uh, mindset around preparation, around getting into not only the minor league system, but then what was the next goal? 
Well, I was so grateful because my dad bought me a couple books when I was 16, one of them being The Mental Game of Baseball by Harvey Dorfman and Carl Keel, <clears throat> and I really took that to heart. So I think a lot, of, a, lot of my, a lot of my process was, you know, I knew I needed to control my breathing. I knew I needed to control my work. I knew I needed to control the fastball. I knew I needed to, I knew, I'm, I knew my process was the most important part, that my results would be there in the end if my process was at another level. And I started to learn that really in high school and college as I started to put the work and I'm like, man, I just have to control the strike zone, control what I need to control one pitch at a time. And at the end, when I look back at the season, I'll be like, wow, what a great year that was. I had a lot of doubles, a lot of home runs, hit 330, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it starts by putting one brick on at a time. Like, you don't just build a house. you got to put the foundation. you got to put a, one room on it, a brick. you got to start, you know, it doesn't just happen like that. And then you look up four months later, you got a nice house. You know, you look up six months later, you've had a great season. So, for me, when I got to the minor leagues, like, the work was just starting. You know what I mean? I was like, it was one thing to, you know, get drafted. But my goal was to play in the big leagues. So, the work was just starting. I knew it was going to take cage work every day. I knew it was going to take my T-work routine every day. I knew it was going to take looking at failure as information and feedback as opposed to like thinking uh my putting my self-worth on failing in baseball i mean baseball is a grind man it is it is a failure sport and and i always say like whoever fails the best wins i gotta look at failure as like hey man this is information for me. Like I'm looking at this as how do I get better today? This guy beat me this way. Next time I face him, I'm going to beat him this way. I was attacked this way today. I'm going to attack this way tomorrow. Like, and also too the self-talk, the self-talk I had to learn for myself. Cause at the end of the day, I stand alone in that box. There's not one hitting coach. There's not one parent. There's not one, anybody, friend, girlfriend, wife, nobody, kid, nobody can help me when I'm in that box. I stand alone. I better have my process right. I better have my self-talk right. I better fight for optimism as much, as hard as I can, knowing that, it, that that our brains, you know, work towards the negative in our, in our thoughts. I gotta, and knowing that the failure brings negative thoughts. So I gotta, I gotta say no, like I gotta I continue to fight for that, for that great self-talk too. So, so many things like that, Jake, you know, made me the player I was and, and allowed me to keep moving, you know, uh, you know, up the ranks and, and, and eventually into the big leagues in a couple of years. But, you know, it was really about what's my process every day. Consistency is the superpower. I got to show up every single day for myself. I got to make sure I'm having a, pur a purpose when I get out there to play. And I got to make sure that I am I am not wasting one pitch. Because I always say, you waste a pitch, you're wasting a bat. You waste a couple of bats, you're wasting games. You waste games, you're not a baseball player anymore. The, the best guys I play with, when they you waste pitches, eventually you're going to be out of the game. That's the bottom line. So if you can't show up every day and you can't find a routine and a protocol that works for you, you're not playing professional baseball. You might be doing something else, but I'll tell you what, you're not playing professional baseball. That's the bottom line. And the guys that make it to the big leagues, they're doing it at a, at a deeper level. You know, I, I, I was thinking, I, I got this letter from, it was on the Cooperstown ballot in 2014. Never forget this, the second paragraph. Congratulations, Sean, on uh, making the Cooperstown ballot. You have to have 10 years on the ballot and numbers just to get on the ballot, right? So he said, you know, just to let you know, only 5% of guys that ever get drafted play a day in the big leagues. Of those 5%, 17% play 10 years or more. If you... I, I, I talked to the Toronto Blue Jays a couple years ago uh, at a conversation with all the minor leaguers, Blackman, Vlad, and Bo Brissett, and those guys were there. And I said to these guys, I said, hey, guys, I'm going to bring my family out today to, 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 to a spring training. I'm going to bring all you guys, five levels of the minors. You know, there's tons of them. And there's 30, you know, 30 teams. I'm going to bring all you guys to the big league side. We're all going to hit. We're going to throw. 
We're going to run. We're going to do it all. And I'm going to have my family there. They don't really know what's going on. But I'm going to have them evaluate all you guys. And they're going to watch all you guys hit the ball 400 feet. They're going to watch all you guys sprint, you know, as fast as they've ever seen guys sprint before. They're going to watch guys have cannons across the diamond and from the outfield off the bump. You know, they're going to watch bat-to-ball skills they've never seen before. And at the end of that time, I'm going to ask them, hey, tell me who the 25 big leaguers are. And they're going to have no idea. They're going to have no idea who you guys are because you all look the same. Why are 95% of you not going to play a day in the big leagues? And my family can't tell anybody apart from the talent that's showing up out here. 95% of you guys aren't going to play one day in the big leagues. And I'm going to tell you why. The reasons why is the guys that play in the big leagues at 5%, their process is so tight. They don't waste a pitch ever. They have a routine every day that they follow, no matter what, come hell or high water. Whatever's going on in their life, they don't let it affect them. When they show up across those lines, they're ready to go. And maybe for the guys that don't make it, failure's too much at times. And I always say, like, in part of the process is how quickly can you respond? And that response is everything. So at the end of the day, if you, if you fail for, for four weeks or six weeks, you're a minor leaguer. But if you fail for four days or six days, you're a big leaguer. Those guys are able to turn it around quickly. Their self-talk is at another level. They're able to fail while also succeeding at the pitches that they're facing, knowing that, like, okay, you know, I, I'm still in it. I might not be getting hits, but I just hit a ball hard. I hit a line drive. I'm so close to getting there, you know? And that was a message that I said to those guys. Their process is so tight. Why are 95% of you guys not going to play a day in the big leagues when my family has no idea who the big leaguers are? And I think it all starts up there. And I, I just, I look back at my career and I really took that to heart as far as like being the toughest I could be mentally and making sure that I showed up. You know, I wasn't the most talented guy. Or there was a lot, way more talented guys than me that were in the minor leagues. But I was able to really, you know, make sure that I wasn't wasting pitches. Sean, the office is the same exact thing as the playing field, right? The context is just a little bit different. The skills, <laughs> the performance, the amount of people watching, whatever the case might be. But as you've worked in broadcast setting, as you've worked with corporations, if you've worked with executives, where do the where do the similarities lie from what you've learned on the field to then transitioning off the field into an office, into a work setting, uh, working with other professionals? How can that apply the same way? It's the same thing. If you want to be a big leader at your job, you know, if you want to be the best version of yourself day in and day out, you have to find out what can you improve on. What do you need to work on? What strengths do you have that you need to grow? You know, where do you, where do you, where do you excel um, that somebody else might not? How good of a teammate are you every day when you show up in that office? Are you making people better or are you bringing people down? How's your self-talk look every day when you wake up? What's your routine like? Are you moving your, are, I always say like, you know, are you, how well you're eating, how well you're sleeping, how well you're moving? Are you taking care of your energy so that you can take, be the best version of yourself every day so that you can show up at the highest level and, 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 and it's also too, so you can show up as the best version of yourself. So from, it's the same, it's the same thing as what we're talking about. Like, your process is just different. You're not doing T work. You're not doing, um, you know, ground balls and stuff like that, but you are getting in the office. You do have calls to make. You have meetings to run. You have men to lead. You know what I mean? And you have to show up in a certain way every single day to make you the best 
version of yourself and be the best at your job. Right? I always say this, if, you, if you're in a marriage or, or, or if you're a father or, and you're showing up and you talk to your wife uh, twice a week, you think you're gonna have a good marriage? Probably not. You talk to your kids once every two weeks, think you're gonna have a good marriage? I mean, you mean a good father? Probably not. So the point of that is, you think you wanna be good at your job and you only have good energy two days a week or once every couple weeks? You're gonna be good at your job? Probably not. You're probably not gonna be elite. You're gonna be, okay, well, you're a dime a dozen, dude. You're one of the 95 percenters that don't make it or, or don't become you know, elite. And so that's what, I, that's what I would say to anybody, like, how are you showing up? How are you taking care of yourself first so that you ultimately can take care of people at work and you ultimately take care of your job at another level? I love that. And the whole concept of the energy too and the energy that you can bring what goes into it, right? It's the sleep, yeah. it's the ha- it's the habits, it's the nutrition, it's the exercise. And look, it's not for everybody. Let's just yeah, put that not, out right. there. It's not for everybody. People right. might listen to this and go, look, I can't, I can't control my sleep. I got this, this, this going on, or I, you know, I, food or nutrition, or, Hey, I don't really exercise, whatever the case is, it's not for everybody. But for those that are elite that want to be elite, how do you maximize that? How do you go about it? Where do you start? Because for someone, it might be like, yep, I'm already doing that. Awesome. Good for you. For someone else, they might be like, where the hell do I start? Right. right. All these different things that I got to think about, you know, and I can, can I, I only can control one thing a day. Right. It's, it's like when you're trying to fix your golf swing, you're thinking about five different things. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Break it down. Focus on one thing. Let right. the rest eventually work on, you know, work its way out. Right. Well, I think that's a great, great point. I think you got to find out who you want to be first. Like you have to set your identity. I think what we do is we do it backwards. We have our feelings. We have low energy because we don't do the things we just talked about and we don't have great habits. Uh, I just don't feel like it. So then your behaviors reflect that. Well, then you don't maybe show up at uh, work on time or you're not being the best version of yourself at a meeting or you're not delivering for the client or you're not showing up to be the, you know, to get this sale sale calls out there. You're not uh, recruiting new guys because you just don't feel like it. So your behavior reflects that. And then your identity is somewhere like, man, I'm just a pretty good worker. I'm a pretty good worker. So you let your feelings drive your behaviors, drive your identities. Who do you want to be? Like, do you want to be an elite worker? Okay. Yeah. I want to be an elite worker every day that shows up with high energy. Okay, great. So now my behaviors follow that right at the end of the day. So I say, well, okay, how do I have to be that guy? Okay. If you work out, you know, I'm not saying, and, and I say, keep your habits small. Like I do 10 minutes of Peloton every day, 10 minutes, sometimes five. I take a couple walks a day, right? But I do know that if I exercise and turn on my system, I'll get 12 hours of sustained energy. So why wouldn't I want to do that? You know, why wouldn't I want to go downstairs and move my body to get myself going, knowing it's going to give me 12 hours of sustained energy? Why would I not want to, um, you know, like for me, what I've learned is, man, when I met, when my protein intake is, is, my carb intake and it's and it's you know i'm doing it at like at a lunchtime having a nice protein man i'm not as hungry the rest of the day it's, it's it's incredible how that works when i get seven and a half to eight hours of sleep i'm a totally different human turns out that's the most important thing well what do i need to do how do i do that i'm not a good sleeper go to bed 30 minutes earlier go to bed an hour earlier start a little night a nighttime routine where you maybe you take a shower at night or maybe you read a book you know i'm saying start small this isn't like start small to optimize your habits. Like I do 10 push-ups a day. 
I started with 10 push-ups about four months ago, five months ago. Well, now I do 100. Because 25, now it's four sets of 25 because I just enjoy it. But I used to, but I start off with 10. And if you can't do 10, do one. But make it super small so that you create a habit and then you start to optimize and all of a sudden you go, man, that really works. And do it in those categories. Do it in, in your energy, how well you eat, sleep, and move. Go to bed an hour earlier if you can. Uh, read a book before bed maybe. Um, up, um, get your protein intake up, you know, whether you're vegan or carnivore, whatever that it looks like, you know, get your protein intake up. Um, and then, um, you know, and, and, and do a five to 10 minute, uh, you know, movement where even if it's a good, a walk in the morning. So I would say start small, start small, but, but like start finding out who you want to be, have your behaviors mirror that and you're gonna feel so different. So let your identity drive your behaviors, drive your feelings. I think it's, I think we have it reversed and that's when people say, I just don't have time, man. I just don't, I, you know what? I just never have eaten like that. I don't know what to do. Those are all excuses because the, the information's out there and, and, it's, and it can be super simple. I'm, I'm not saying like change your whole life. I'm saying, hey, start to change your habits. You create your habits and your habits create you. That is the, one of the truest statements out there. 100%. And to your point, the information is out there, but it's also information overload. So That's you true. have to understand, yes. yeah. okay, to your point, one small thing, one step at a time, right. one new thing at a time. Because if you if you truly do think about all the different things that are out there, I mean, it's too game much. Over. It's too it's much. It's too much, right? So it's too much. So when, when you do think about, okay, I'm going to make that one habit change, or I'm going to make that one transition, or you know, big change, whatever that might be. What do you need your mindset to be in order to feel prepared to then feel confident to attack it the right way? Abundance. You need your, you need to have an abundant mindset. You need to have uh, a grateful mindset because the brain can't live in fear and gratitude at the same time. So when you start getting grateful for your life, you start looking at things differently. I always say this, dude, this is just me. My, I drive my kids absolutely nuts. But I write in my journal every morning, you know, thank you for another day. The odds of us being here as human beings walking the face of the earth in 2023 are one in 420 trillion. So I say thanks for another one in 420 trillion chance at another shot at a day. Did you know this too? This is incredible stuff too. Like, I, and I write this in my journal. You're going to take 25,000 breaths today. Your heart's going to beat 100,000 times. It's going to pump blood through your system that if you rolled out your, your system, it, your, uh, it would roll out to two and a half times around the earth. Um, you, we have a sun that's 93 million miles away, right? That, 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 that's giving life to this planet. We now know from the James Webb satellite that's out there, right? That, uh, that there's 200 billion suns in our Milky Way galaxy and there's 3 trillion galaxies out there. Seriously. So I write this every morning to remind myself of perspective and gratitude of like, oh my gosh, what an incredible life I have. Because our brains just want, you know, what, what they're here for, they're prehistoric brains. They want to keep us safe and they want, they want us to, to pro procreate, right? Anything else, they're like, ah, eh, whatever. We almost have to fight for that abundance, that gratitude, look out and say, we are going to not be here for long. Like, what's the best version of myself I want to be? And the fact that I have a chance to walk on the face of the earth, one in 420 trillion, like, I think that for me, when I get perspective driven and I intentionally go for it in, in that way, and I, and I look at it that way, dude, it changed, it changed everything for me.
All of a sudden, I want to live my best life. All of a sudden, I want to take care of myself. All of a sudden, I want to, you know, make sure that my lungs are pumping and I give it the oxygen it needs and the food that my stomach needs. You know, you have more neurons in your gut than you do your brain. There's the, the, the gut-brain connection is real. So when you eat something that inflames your gut, oh, I'm so tired or I'm so bloated. I mean, I, dude, I've been, I did it for years until I, until I didn't, you know, and I start to feel like, wow, this is what it's like to feel you know, great all the time. Like this is incredible. But I think that perspective of gratitude, that perspective that we live in abundance, not scarcity, you know, like, Oh, we don't have, that's why I don't want to watch the news like CNN, you know, what do they call constant negative news? Like, I don't, I don't watch it because I know if it bleeds, it leaves. I, I, I like to look, I like to go on walks and just be like, look at those, look at, look at everything out here. That's, that's incredible. And we're moving on. We're one in eight billion nothing. people moving on us. Right? There's nothing better than listening to the birds chirping to Dude. go like, man, I can't even see them. Where are they? How many? Yeah, <laughs> right? it's true. It's true. It's incredible. And the Cardinals and the Blue Jays and these guys are having their own language out there. And it's incredible. And they don't have a pantry. They don't have a, they, you know, they don't have anything. They don't go to Whole Foods and buy their stuff. They freaking, they, they, they deal with it out there. So I don't know, man, that's just what I do. Like, and, and it works for me. And I think that last phrase it works for you is so important right yeah. because it's going to work different for everybody totally and agree. you know it, it's like i'll talk to people about eating and a healthy lifestyle and all that and they're like oh well you're a vegetarian i go yeah that works for me right it doesn't mean it's going to work for you right and i started it five years ago but doesn't mean that it however i ate didn't work for me before i just right. you adapt you change you you figure things out and i think all the time it's like would your hitting coach that you had try and teach you the same way that he tried to teach any other hitter, right? Like no. when you, and your manager and so on and so forth, right? Like there, you got one Sean, you got one right. Joe, you got one Bob, right? Like everybody's different it, and yep. you have to figure out how to know who you are to your point about the identity and, and your behaviors. It's, of, it's, it's, you know, it's different. That's so great. I mean, you nailed it, Jake. Like everybody's different, man. And everybody's unique too. I say that too. There's 8 billion people on the earth. We're all walking at a one in 420 trillion rate. Um, no one has my handprints. No one has your handprints. You're, you're unique, dude. You're unique. There's not another person like you. No one has your smile. No one has your footprint, your handprint. No one has your, the hair follicles, your brain, nobody. You're, you're like, you're a walking, you're one of a kind, dude. You're a rare mint 10. Like, well, as we talk about a gem mint 10 in the, in the baseball card industry, dude, you're perfect. And so am I, and so are my kids. And so are, you, you know, uh, anyone out there that's walking. And so the point is, dude, you're unique. So you don't need to do what I do, but find out what works for you, you know, and be the best version of yourself where, you know, you could find out maybe you work better on six and a half hours of, and you get good deep and REM sleep. Maybe uh, someone else works better on nine hours of sleep. Maybe someone works better on, that's a vegetarian. Maybe someone works better, that's carnivore. Who knows? But at the end of the day, you have to find out what works for you. And there's a way to do it though, that's, 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 really, when, that's really telling your life, hey, thank you. Thank you for this shot. I'm gonna take care of myself so I can, so I can, um, you know, be grateful and live in that, live in that mindset so that I can have, be the best version of myself until I'm not here anymore. Well, I think, you know, when you think about the, even just an office landscape, right. And you go about your job every day and someone goes, well, you know, I'm here at six 30 and then I stay till this, or, and this is how I do this. And so go, you go, okay, that's great. That's you. That's you. How am I going to be my best version of myself at work? Because 
if you're really self-aware and you know when you are best at what hours of the day, that's how you maximize your efficiency, your productivity to be able to do the best work. Because I guarantee you that if you're listening to this and you go, man, that time at 2.30 in the afternoon, I'm so sluggish. You go, okay, like dig in deep. Why? Right? Like, why are you sluggish at 2.30? And what are you doing at 2.30? Are you trying to fight through it or are you going to go for a walk? Or are you going to do, or are you going to go talk to someone who energizes you, right? Like, what are you doing to fix those things as opposed to feeling like you're just sluggish at 2.30 every single day in the afternoon? Dude, that's so good. And, and then what do you just keep saying that? Well, I'm just, it's just my life, man. I'm just, every day at 2.30, I'm sluggish until, until you're 90 and then you're dead. Like, what do you mean? You're, what do you mean you're sluggish? Do something about it. My point is this too, like, let's find a protocol and a process that works for us that when we don't feel good, which is going to happen a lot, you don't feel like doing eating what you should eat or moving how you should move. I, I say to myself, I'm doubling down. I don't feel like doing any of the stuff that makes me feel good. That's why I'm definitely doing it. I hear that little voice talk to me and say, Hey man, you're good today, dude. Like you, you've been doing good and I'm just tired today. Let's just not do anything, you know, but I know that that doesn't work for me. So when I hear that voice, that's when I, it triggers me to say, Oh yeah, thanks. I heard you. I heard you. I'm definitely doing it today. And I might even do it at a double rate, at a double rate. I'm doubling down on my protocol and my process of what I know works for me. 100%. Sean, we could go on for hours. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so I, I want to, I want to make sure that, you know, one, uh, we, we get to one last point and then two, we get to rapid fire. Cause that, that's yeah. always the fun part, Great. but, um, look, you hit 302 in your career which means you failed seven out of 10 times. Yeah. Incredible. Like if you just put that into perspective, yeah, that's borderline hall of fame career, right? Like hit, right. Hit, hitting above 300 and you still failed seven out of 10 times. What one piece of advice do you have for those about failure and how to go about failure on a daily basis? Well, this is one thing I realized is that no one is, no one's exonerated from, I call it the clouds. No one's exonerated from the clouds of life, the constant work loss. We all going to have loss at times. Um, obstacles, uncertainty, doubt, and stress. They come for us a lot, right? We don't, that, that, that those things happen in life. And I think one of the things that we struggle with failure is that like, can you believe this happened to me? Can you believe this is happening to me? Right. And I think, you know, can you believe I'm failing like this? And I think for me, when I started to realize, listen, everyone has things they're failing at every day. Everyone has their problems. If you asked anyone in the world, you walk down the road, you say, hey, man, what's going on in your life? You, do, we, you would be shocked, right? And so for me, when I look back at failure, failure to me became feedback. Failure to me became information. I looked at it differently. I knew I was failing 70% of the time, which in most jobs, you're fired. In baseball, they go, hey, great job, dude. You almost, you know, close to a Hall of Fame career, right? That kind of thing. Like, but I knew that, like, I would, I would tell people, just keep going. You're going to fail. You're going to have things that don't go your way. It's the bottom line. That's just the way life is. No one's exonerated from that. It's okay. But just keep going. Don't stop. Don't, don't, uh, you know, don't, don't look at yourself as the victim. You're not look at yourself in that warrior mentality. Say, you know what? Things might not be going exactly the way I want it, but I am going to keep going. I'm going to take the failures that I've had and the mistakes that I've made. I'm going to piece those together and become a better version of myself and keep going. So I would just say, just keep going and let failure be information for you. It's there's nothing. It, it's not something that should hold you back. And there's one piece there. You said, you said, it's okay. 
Yeah. It's okay to fail. Right. Like I think just the acceptance of it. Yes. 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 It's a good thing. Failure is a good thing. And that means that means you're making progress. If you're failing, you now you know how to do it a little better next time, and you fail again. That's how you knew, need to know it, do it a little better the next time. Really quick, a quick story. I was just watching the documentary on uh, on Elon Musk, his, his uh, SpaceX program, his journey to space, and they were saying that NASA, um, you know, quit the space program because they were failing too much, and they said Elon Musk's program was working because the the whole goal in in their mindset was let's see how well we can fail. Let's see how well we can fail. So they boom, they launched the first. A SpaceX thing boom, blows up. There goes two billion. You're like, oh man, next one. Hey, we did this wrong. Let's do it this time. Bam, next one goes up. It's getting up. It's almost there. Boom, it blows up. Like, what? They got to like the ninth or tenth trial and they started to figure out, oh my God, we, we figured out how to launch it and land it. Like, on, you could put it on a gnat's butt, right? Just thing comes down and they're taking this rocket that just went into space and they're landing it on these platforms. It's incredible. How'd they get there? They got there through failure. They didn't get there because they were successful all the time. They didn't get there through there because they were perfect. They got there on the exact opposite. Their mistakes and their failures what made them great. And now that we're now we're talking about going to Mars. Now we're talking about building colonies on the moon. Why? Because these guys grinded and looked at failure as information. That's it. Rapid fire. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. If you could play any sport at a professional level other than baseball, what would it be? Basketball. But I was so bad, I can't even imagine doing it. But I love it. I, if I could just dunk and shoot threes like Steph Curry and those guys, it'd be incredible. What's your superpower? Is it? A, can I make one up, or is it more yeah. like what's my superpower? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Like, like, could you? Do you want to fly? Do yeah, you, I want to fly, what? man. Who doesn't want to fly? Like, I, if I just want to get someplace, I could just run out my house and bam, I'm there. Like, you know, I could fly to Australia real quick. <laughs> Uh, I was going to, I was going to say, if there's one place in the world you haven't been, where would you want to go? Sounds like Australia. <laughs> hey, Austra- Australia, man. My, my neighbors uh, from Australia is always like, what's going on, mate? Good day, mate. And I'm like, Hey, really say that. I was like, I need to go to Australia, dude, and see all the mates out there. <laughs> if you could hit a home run off of one guy that you didn't, who would it be? Nolan Ryan. Oof. Yeah. I just feel like it, I would have been so cool to have a chance to face him and maybe go deep off him. Do you have a favorite ballpark you played in? You know what? I just think, you know, there was something about Fenway Park playing there as a home, you know, in 2008 was incredible. PNC Park was amazing. Playing at Wrigley, just a lot of cool. The, the, the older parks, there's something about them that they, they've kept them, to, you know, together. I think it's, it's pretty cool. Amazing. All right, we talked a little bit about food. Did you have a favorite pregame meal? Favorite pregame meal? Not really. You know, I wasn't really superstitious like Wade Boggs. We ate like chicken breasts, you know, four chicken breasts before every game. You know, not really. I just, uh, you know, I would take a green drink, a vegetable green drink by this in this company that that's under now called Enzymatic Therapy. That was that was my so a green drink probably was my choice. Great. The green juice. Love it. Yeah, the green juice. Yeah. Last one. Last one. Um, The hardest thing about being on TV. The hardest thing about being on TV is just a lot of moving parts. And I think, um, you know, you just want to make sure that you're, you know, you, you, you don't want to get in your head too much. You want to kind of let your personality flow. And, you know, you want to make sure that um, you're in sync with the producer in your ear or the director in your ear and, and, and with the guys you're on set with. So just trying to stay in sync with everybody. Love it. Sean, really appreciate the time, the yeah. thoughts, the perspectives, the insights. 
Um, love the energy that you brought to the podcast. Uh, again, uh, Sean Casey, he's got his own podcast. Make sure to follow uh, the mayor's office. Uh, you, you know where to find him. But uh, Sean, really appreciate it, man. All right, Jake. Thanks a lot, man. And uh, love what you're doing. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad I finally got a chance to come on, man. Thanks for tuning into today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe and follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And stay tuned for next Monday's episode with a new guest and new content.